So we've talked about the Old Testament story running from Genesis to Kings. And then we've been thinking through how the other books in the Old Testament fit in, like the prophets, which give God's commentary on the story. Or the, the wisdom books. We looked at Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, which, which add more perspective on what life is like in the story of the Old Testament. But what about the Psalms? 150 Psalms. What do they contribute? I hope you've read some of the Psalms. Uh, even people who don't know the Bible probably have heard some of the Psalms, like Psalm 23. What do these add to the story? I think it's interesting, at least in my own life, but I think this is true of many people, that it's been as I get older that the Psalms become more precious to me. I think it was D.A. Carson said something like, most people don't know the Psalms well at 25. But as you talk with older folks, especially those who've walked with the Lord for a long, long time, you often find that the Psalms are the most precious books, text in the Bible to them. Because Why is that? It's because the Psalms come from such a variety of experiences, right? Written from all sorts of suffering, all sorts of situations in life. And the older you get, the more maybe you relate to some of these things. But, it, but I think it's more than that, too. The, the Psalms reveal the heart of those who got it in the Old Testament, right? From the beginning of the Bible, we know that God has made us to reflect him, display him, and to, and to worship him. You, you see with Abraham, right? The, the supreme worshiper, maybe, in the Old Testament. The one who, wherever he goes, he builds altars to the Lord. And then in the supreme test of his life, he offers his son Isaac in worship to the Lord, sacrificing his most precious possession, his son, willing to do that. God, of course, spares Isaac and provides another sacrifice. But, but this is the first use of the word worship in the Bible. And throughout the story, you find some, not many, but some Old Testament characters who actually get this, who understand God's heartbeat, who love the Lord their God with all their hearts and all their souls and all their minds and all their strength. And, and where do you find that the most? You find that in the Psalms. The, the Psalms, especially you have so many from David, but also from many other writers, these are the people who get it, who, who long to lift up the name of the Lord. Who, but they, they don't just sing praise songs that you often read in the Psalms, people wrestling with, with God, with what God is doing, with how the things that they know and love about God don't seem to fit with the circumstances of their lives. And, and, and this is where we often can relate in the Psalms as we go through chaos in our own lives and, and things where what we have been reading and learning about God don't seem to line up with what we're going through with what's going on in our nation or, or these, these sorts of things. And, and so the Psalms add so much life to the story. But you also have to remember the Psalms were the worship book of God's people. For really, that's been the case for like the last 3,000 years. The, the Psalms have been the worship manual, the worship book of, the, of God's people throughout all of these generations, uh, leading even to our, to our own day. And so I hope you love them. And I, I just want to give you a little bit of exposure to the Psalms, uh, but I'm sure you can go and you can read on your own as well. But I think what helps me to think through the Psalms is to think of the first two Psalms. Psalm 1, 
Maybe you've read this psalm before. Psalm 1 uh, starts out with, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the, uh, basically who does not follow in the path of sinners, but his delight is in what? Do you remember? Maybe you've seen this before. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And so he is like a tree planted by streams of water that brings forth its fruit and its seeds and its leaf doesn't wither. But the wicked aren't like that. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. They'll never be able to stand in the judgment. And so you, you get this picture in the first psalm that, what, that there are basically two paths, right? in life, the, the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. And, and what really shows whether you're on one or the other, it's what you do with God's words, right? And, and what you do with God's words shapes your life and shapes your destiny. Those who fill their hearts and their minds with God's words, who love them, who cling to them, who meditate on them, who do them, they're like, a tree that's fruitful and stable. But the wicked who rejects and spurns God's words are unstable, unfruitful, will be like chaff that the wind blows away. They'll never stand in the judgment. This is how the Psalms open, by laying out two paths and, and, and what shapes which one you're on or what tells you which ones you're on is what you do with God's words. But then you come into Psalm 2, and I, and see, I think these two Psalms introduce the whole book of Psalms, all 150. When you get into Psalm 2, you, you get this scene of the nations gathered together against God and against his anointed, against his Messiah. And the question is, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Because the kings have set themselves against God and against his Messiah saying, let's throw off the chains. But then you see this, but then the psalmist takes you up into heaven. He says, what is God doing? God is sitting there watching this and he's laughing. He doesn't think it's funny though, but he is laughing. And he says, as for me, I've set my king on Zion in Jerusalem, on my holy hill. And then that anointed one speaks. And he says, I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me. He said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask from me. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. The ends of the earth as your possession. And then the psalmist turns to the, to the kings who have been in rebellion. And he says, here's what you need to do. You need to listen. You need to serve the Lord. You need to submit to the Lord. And in, in the last verse, Psalm 212, it says, and you need to Kiss the Son of God. Kiss God's Son, lest he get angry and you perish in the way. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And, and you know, there's more in that psalm, but, but the point is that Psalm 1 focuses on what we do with God's words, and then Psalm 2 focuses on what we do with God's Son, with the Son that God wants to raise up to rule not just Israel, but to rule the world. And those two psalms together give you like lenses to read through all of the psalms of what is the path of those who are righteous? What, I, what identifies them as belonging to God and not to the wicked who will never stand in the judgment? It, what, what shows who you are is what you do with God's words and with God's Son. And you'll see these sort of themes throughout 
the books of Psalms. But then if you just read the Psalms, like I said, what you they give you a glimpse or they give you insight into the into the hearts of the people in the Old Testament story who actually got it, who loved the Lord their God with all their hearts. And and, and it helps us to understand what worship is all about. And so I would encourage you to to read through the Psalms and and to read through ones that are so personal, right? About the walk with God, the relationship with God. Like like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack anything. He leads me. Think of the relationship of of David the king, who was the shepherd of Israel, but saying, "Oh, but God is my shepherd. He takes care of me and feeds me and restores my soul." and leads me in the paths of righteousness, protects me in the presence of my enemies. Or, or how about Psalm 42, where a psalmist is really struggling, maybe like with depression, and he keeps saying, talking to his soul, saying, Oh, my soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. I will again praise him. Or Psalm 63, I think it's a psalm of David where he's out in the wilderness on the run and he, he feels so dry and thirsty. And he, and he uses that experience to, to talk about his longing and his thirst and his hunger for God. Or if you go on in the psalms, especially in the second half of the psalms, what you start to see even more and more, although it's there in the first half, when you get into the second half, you start to see that the psalmist, those who really get the heart of God, who really understand the worth of God, don't just worship God themselves. They they have a longing to call others in to the worship of God. They want the fame and the name of the God of Israel to spread to all peoples on earth. They get God's heart. They understand the promise that God made to Abraham to bring blessing to all peoples on earth through through his offspring. And so, like Psalm 98, O sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 99, The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. Psalm 100, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the, all the earth serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm 148, you get this at the end, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights, praise Him, all His angels, praise Him, all His hosts, sun, moon, praise Him, all you shining stars. And then the very last Psalm, Psalm 150, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His mighty deeds. And it ends, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Yahweh, the God of Israel, longs to be worshipped, to be honored, to be held high, to be adored, to be praised. This is his passion, and this is the passion of his people, of the people who actually get it, who love him with all their hearts. They don't just want to worship him. They long to call the nations in to worship God with him. And and perhaps this is what uh, John Piper is getting at when he says that missions exist because worship doesn't. See, we, we long to spread the fame of the name of the Lord our God to all parts of the world because in those so many parts of the world, he is not being worshipped and we love him and know his worth. And so we want to go out and spread his fame to all nations so that all nations come in to worship our God. And king, and this is what you find in the Psalms. The Psalms kind of open up 
the heart to us of the people who actually got it in the Old Testament story. 